Hi, I'm Lauren Stiving, and welcome to the Career Success Podcast. With us today is Andreas Welsh, Head of International for Kind Snacks. Andreas was born in Berlin, Germany, and looks back on 28 years of consumer goods experience, where he had the chance to work with some of the leading names and iconic brands in the industry, like Procter & Gamble, Reckitt Benckiser, Hinkle Adhesives, and Innocent Smoothies. Andreas calls himself a growth manager because again and again, he has been attracted to roles where the business needed to either be established, internationally expanded, or turned around. Forming experiences include starting a sales force in East Germany less than one year after the wall opened, establishing a company in non-democratic Romania and living in Bucharest for five years. Andreas has held local, regional, and global roles and worked on all continents except Africa. Welcome, Andreas. Hello, Lauren. Thanks for joining me today. Throughout your career, you've had various different uh, leadership roles. How has your leadership experience helped you to, to get to where you are today? Of working in very different companies, markets, geographies, functions, and very different leadership situations. And that has given me a lot of different experiences, which means that right now I'm able to react flexible to new challenges and more or less easily develop several ways of how to tackle a problem. And I think sometimes people have been successful in one peculiar, one specific way. And no matter what situation they face, they always try the same methodology that had worked for them in the past. And you may know the saying, if you have a hammer, every problem becomes a nail. But honestly, that's just not true. I think those people are victims of the availability bias. They think that what they know is all there is. And with everything I've been through, I've just, I was forced to learn, quite honestly, that situations are different and every situation is specific. And so a diversity of experiences is a very good protector in becoming a one-trick pony. You do have over, over 28 years of experience, um, your opinions a bit on the, the industry, and there have been many trends and changes in the consumer goods industry. And I wanted to ask you, you know, which two stand out the most to you? Oh, that's a big question. I try to focus on a few things that I'm seeing, and obviously I'm looking at this from my very specific experience angle of fast-moving consumer goods or consumer packaged goods, and I think... One is the role of innovation, that when I started in my early days at Procter & Gamble, product innovation was still a very big part of making brands more and more successful because products were technically still not very mature. There was a lot of technical improvement possible. And I see that getting more and more difficult because a lot of products are already good enough and consumers probably would still like a better product, but they're not willing to pay more for the latest improvement. I mean, to take a famous example, how many more blades you need in a razor to make you really happy? And how big is the incremental value of, the, of, the, of blade number 15? Um, I think at the same time, the cycles are becoming shorter and shorter. So I think, and also the private labels are, and competitors are catching up much faster so it becomes more difficult to capitalize on innovation. Another big trend that I'm seeing is that consumers become more fickle. You don't have that big consumer mass. And consumers becoming more conscious, on the one hand, on what they consume, and probably more importantly, and that's a growing, still small but growing part of consumers who don't only care about what they buy, but they also want to know from whom they buy 
and how it is produced. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have consumers who are getting more and more price conscious and get what they want from private labels or from hard discounters simply because these products are good enough. So I think this is making it more and more difficult for brands to, or more and more challenging for brands to deliver a reason for being that goes beyond the technical product performance. And how do you think this will affect the industry as a whole? And you, I think you can see it in some of the you know, some of the major multinationals that they are moving into into sectors where emotional branding becomes more and more difficult, um, more and more important. So because they cannot compete on functional uh, attributes alone, so the price conscious consumers moves to private label and they take their they get their functional technical benefit as cheaply as possible. And in a way, I mean, if you look at, if you think about it more, maybe even the concept of brand management may have to change because this, the story of the brand and of the company becomes one and consumers want to know who is behind that brand. So the story of the founder and what the organization or the people behind the product stand for becomes more and more important. And so companies also need to be more open, more transparent, and they get a much higher level of scrutiny now on the level on how they conduct their business, how they treat employees, how they behave in society overall. And people want answers, not only on the question, what do you do, but also on how do you do it? And then really, most importantly, why are you doing it? And who are you? And I've been lucky enough that my last two companies are but really relatively young companies where those things are built in the DNA by the founders from day one. But you can see that some of the old iconic FMCG companies or brand companies in general are trying to add those elements and the challenge is how to make it genuine and not just an artificial tick the box exercise because consumers don't fall for that anymore. And let's shift a bit. Um, I would like to get your insight on on um, talent management. And what do you think is the, the best way to retain talent in your organization? Personal experience, and that has been confirmed in many, many ways, because I've always worked at, I would say, some of the best companies in the industry who paid top quartile or top third, thirdile at least, top third, and they had a lot of perks, but still people were leaving. And not always because they got the offer of their life, but because they were just not happy with the person they were working for. Because ultimately, and that's there's a saying that says that people leave bosses and not companies. And I found that quite true. So I think one of the biggest jobs for every company, in my view, is make sure if that was possible, if there was a golden recipe, I would be a consultant making millions. And mm. If I could teach companies how to not have bad bosses. That would be my rule number one, and really a big focus on how people are managed. But I think apart from that, I mean, if you have truly talented people, people like to be challenged, and they like to be stretched, and they are eager for development opportunities. So I, I think if you can keep your talent on their toes, interested, excited all the time, and of course, let's not forget, pay has to is a hygiene factor, of course, but it has to develop at the reasonable level together with skill and experience. And I think then you have a good chance to keep your talent. And surprisingly, even strong managers, even experienced, talented managers like to hear that they're doing well. And, that all, and I think that's true for private life as well. 
I mean, just let people know that they're doing well. Tell them and tell them they're important to you and that you have great plans for them. And then listen to what they are trying to do. I think, again, personal experience, it's quite amazing how many people have only learned about they were really valued the day they quit. Yeah, I've definitely heard that from, from candidates before. I'd like to shift a bit about, to discuss a bit about uh, your company and working at Kind. And I was wondering, what is the employee value proposition that you and your organization can offer someone? We have a, as I said, Kind is a lucky company in a way that the way it was built from day one, it had all those values built in. Um, if you say, what is the purpose of Kind? The purpose is a sentence and it's lived. And the purpose is to make the world a kinder place, to make the world a better place. And the way we do it is not with big, grandiose programs, but we say, make, we're trying to promote kindness, one snack and one kind act at a time. So that is involving all employees, and that reflects on the way we treat each other, but it also reflects the way we engage with consumers, with customers. And when we do, we do our marketing strategy, reflects that. We don't do big TV we focus a lot on one-to-one -one personal interaction with our consumers. So kindness in everything we do is a core value. And another, coming back to what are we doing, this is why we are in business and how we do it, but what are we doing? We're doing the kind thing for your taste buds, your body, and your world. With the products, we, pro we simply want to provide healthy and tasty snacks and so far it seems we're quite good at that but also go beyond that and do the kind thing for your world that attracts a lot of people pretty much for the reasons that i mentioned before and i have to say and that even without having an office without having a table tennis table in our office in new york yeah and i mean from your side I, I assume since you don't have a table tennis, uh, that's not why you decided to, to join. But why did you decide that you would like to work for Kind? Uh, pretty much for what I just said, because I already worked at an amazing company with products you could believe in and the strong purpose. That was the company Innocent. They make smoothies and chill, chilled smoothies and juices. And I found that at Kind as well. But I found... Beyond that, a role that would give me more personal stretch because it was a truly global scope with global growth opportunities. And I think the biggest factor for me personally was that Kind is still led by its founder, Daniel Lubetsky. And that makes a big difference for me because that makes the company entrepreneurial and with fast decision-making and Daniel himself is an incredibly energetic and charismatic person. And it's just a joy to join this company and join the journey where Kind is on. And he just recently said it, and he said it all the time again after 12 years. And being a multi-million company already in the U.S., he says he feels like this is day one. And definitely for my remit, the development of international, it is day one. And it's just a great opportunity to join the right business with the mission to build it globally as an owner. Well, thank you so much, Andreas, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Lauren. That was fun.
If any of our listeners have any questions or comments for Andreas, please write them in the comments section below.